Well, good to see you all again. Glad to be back in Louisiana. I love Louisiana. I know I told you all last time uh, I was here that I served at First Baptist Lafayette, Louisiana, uh, back in the early 90s, from 1990 to 1993. And it's really kind of fun because people, as you all know, that are not from Lafayette pronounce it wrong. And it's kind of that way in Louisville. Uh, if, you're, if you live in the Louisville area, it's Louisville. It's not Louisville. And it's not Louisville. It's Louisville. And, uh, and so Wendy and I lived there. Been serving with uh, Crossings now for almost six years, which I cannot believe. It goes by quick. And uh, last time, Wendy didn't get to come with me. I told you all about my son. And his hand was crushed. And he's been through a lot over the last two years. His hand was crushed two years ago this past January. He had his last hand surgery uh, this past February, the first Monday in February. And God's doing some miraculous things in and through him. So uh, eight hand surgeries in two years. And, uh, but he's doing well. Uh, he'll probably only have about 20% use of his hand when it's all said and done. But he has a hand. And that's a miracle within itself. But glad that Wendy and I can be with you this weekend. The marriage conference... Uh, as far as we're concerned, we felt like it really went well. We hope it went well. Um, but we're preaching this morning out of Ephesians chapter 5 and then the first part of Ephesians 6. Um, Matt had asked me, he said, man, can you do a message that's geared around the marriage and, and family? And I said, definitely. Now, if you notice the title of the message, those of you that grew up uh, that are my age or, or older, you remember the show, the old show in the 70s, All in the Family. Uh, and so I kind of took that because we're talking about the family today. And uh, those of you that are younger, you might be on Nick at Night. I don't know. You might see it. But uh, it is an old show. But man, I tell you, God speaks to our hearts through his word about the family. And so we're going to be looking at chapter 5 of Ephesians, verses 21 through 33. And then we'll also look at chapter 6, the first uh, four verses in chapter... The mic went on. I was like, I thought I had turned it on. I thought, man... It, Thank you, guys. Appreciate that. All right. They're all back there going, okay, we got it turned up now. Okay. <laughs> so that's a good. I speak so loud sometimes I don't know whether it's on or not. I don't know. Anyway, so maybe I can talk now. Uh, but we are in Ephesians 5, and, and I'll encourage you. Uh, I do a PowerPoint so that if you want to take notes, you can. Now, those of you that were here when I was here about a year and a half ago, remember this. It's not just about the information, because information without the application leads to Hey, amen, stagnation, it does. That's exactly right. So you got to be able to write it down to remember it so you can apply it because information with application, that leads to transformation in our lives. And that's what God wants to continually do is to transform us to look like him. So Ephesians chapter 5, first thing I want you to see here in point number one is that everyone must be submissive to one another. Verse 21 says, and be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. Now, I start with verse 21 for this reason. Because I, when I go into verse 22, people usually freak out. I want to stick with verse 21 because God's called us to be subject to one another. It's not just about a husband being over his wife or a wife being under her husband as far as submissiveness. God says, no, you got to start with being submissive to one another. Understanding that God has created us within the family, that we all have our strengths, we, all, we also all have our weaknesses. God's created us different, no doubt about it. We as men are different than women, and you as women are different than men. But we're still equal. 
when God created Eve, he took the rib out of the man. It took the rib from the side. Okay? He didn't take it from the foot so that man would stand over his wife. He didn't take it from the head because Christ, as the head of the church, he's the only head, but we're to be the picture of the head as husbands. But he took it from the side to say, you are going to be side by side in relationship, but you're also to be subject to one another. There are things that God will speak to my life through Wendy, and there are things that God will speak through me to her, and we've got to be willing to listen to each other. We've got to be willing to hear each other and not to think that one idea is better than the other or one is smarter than the other, but God speaks into our lives so that we blend the two together. And so we've got to be willing to be subject to one another in our relationships with each other. Okay, if we're thinking that we're always right, we're probably wrong. All right, we're probably wrong. Uh, the reality is, we're not always right. None of us are. There are times when we will get off track. Matter of fact, we were talking about it this morning the fact that the Lord guides us at, in the paths of righteousness. But even in that path, sometimes we miss the path. And it's amazing how our helpmate, our husband or our wife, can speak into our lives in a very loving way and say, hey, I think we're heading down the wrong path here. Whether it's about our finances or whether it's about you know, the way we're raising the kids or whether it's about a job or whatever it might be, we've got to be willing to listen to each other. The second thing I want us to see here this morning, and this is verses 22 through 24, that wives being submissive to their husbands. Wives being submissive to their husbands. Now, the minute that word submissive comes out, most people freak out and they're like, oh man, this is, this is about someone being under someone else's authority. That's not what God is talking about. Look at verses 22 through 24. Wives, be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord. So let me just stop right there. He's comparing it in our fellowship and our relationship with Jesus Christ. We're under Christ's authority. Why? Because we know he loves us. You're willing to submit to someone's authority when you know you are unconditionally loved. So we're going to talk about husbands here in just a second. But that's part of the role of a wife. I'm coming under the authority because I'm under the authority of my Lord Jesus Christ, number one. And then in verse 23, he says, For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ also is the head of the church, he himself being the savior of the body. So notice he just compares the husband to Christ. Now, gentlemen, let me go ahead and tell you this. That's a heavy responsibility for us as men. We literally are the be, we're to be the picture of Christ in our homes. Hello? You hear me? We're to be the picture of Christ in the home. We are the ones that our children should look to and our wives should look to and go, that is the model of Christ in our home, and I have no problem submitting to that authority. If we're not being the picture of Christ, then we are not leading our families in the way God's called us to lead. That's why he says the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ also is the head of the church, which means, ladies, you are the picture of the church in the home. You are the picture of the body of Christ. The head and the body must go together. None of you came here without your head today. And none of you came here without your body today. They came together. 
Well, they're blended as one, and that's what God wants us to give the picture in our home of Christ and His church blended as one, as husband and wife. And then he says in verse 24, But as the church is subject to Christ, so also the wives ought to be to their husbands in everything. You see, the responsibility for us as husbands is that one day we stand before our Lord to give an account for how we led our families, how we led our wives. God's not going to look to you, ladies, to give an account other than were you willing to be submissive to the leader that God placed in the home. But he's going to look to us as men to say, how did you lead your children? How did you lead your wife? How did you love them? How did you picture me to them in your life? Did you model me to them? Did they see me through you as you lived your life? You see, that's what God's called us to do. The family is about the picture of, to the world, what Christ has done for us. That's where it starts. It doesn't start here in the church. It starts with the family. We are little models all over our communities and how we're treating each other and how we're living with each other within our families so that other families around us will wake up and go, wow, that's different. Wendy and I, I how long ago has it been, baby, when we were in that restaurant and that waiter, yeah, we're sitting just eating a meal and just being ourselves. I mean, you just enjoying each other's company and the waiter says to us, I've noticed you guys are different than anybody else I've ever waited on. And we kind of looked at each other and went, what did we do? You know, it's kind of like, and we looked at him and said, what do you mean? He said, well, you know, I mean, just the way you guys act toward each other, the way you've, I've just kind of watched you. Well, it opened up a door for us to share the gospel with him. Telling him about our Lord Jesus Christ and the difference he's made in our lives and the difference he's made in our marriage. And I mean, it was like, it was, it was a, uh, uh, just a, a beautiful picture of what God had intended in the first place, but we had no idea. We didn't go in there going, okay, now if you do this and I'll do this. And I mean, we were just being ourselves. That's what God intended us to do. So as we move on, the third thing I want you to see here is this. Husbands, loving and investing in their wives. I mean, that's what God's called us to do. We're to love and invest in our wives, look at verses 25 through 30, and I'm going to take it kind of slow. But he says, husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her. Now, gentlemen, let me just stop there with verse 25. He says, love your wives, how? As Christ loved his church and literally laid down his life for his church. You see, the love that you're to have for your wife is a sacrificial love. You're to serve her. You're to honor her. You're to cherish her and nourish her in the same way Christ does us as his church. And notice what he says in verses 26 and 27. So that he, talking about Christ, talking about us as the church, might sanctify her, that's us, having cleansed us, having cleansed the church by the washing of water with the word. Why? Verse 27. So that he might present to himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she would be holy and blameless. Now, gentlemen, 
Think, think about this for a minute. As you're investing in your wife, as you're investing in her spiritually, emotionally, physically, I mean, every, every aspect of her life, what you're doing is, is you are presenting to her who she is in Christ and that her glory should shine forth. Her glory ought to shine because of the way you're investing in her. That's exactly what verse 27 is saying. That he's going to present to himself the church in all her glory. She has no spot, no wrinkle. She, she has nothing that's in her that is, that is uh, 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 tainted in any way because of how Christ has invested in us. He says, husbands, if you invest in your wife that way, she'll shine forth like you've never seen. So gentlemen, if your wife is not shining, guess what? Probably your fault. Hello. You see, God says that's our responsibility. We're to make that investment in her that she shines. That others look and go, man, I mean, that, that woman, I mean, she's got a beauty about her, not just her physical appearance. There's a beauty about her that, that I've never seen. That's because, man, I've seen how her husband invests in her, how he loves her. It's interesting to me that, that in Scripture, nowhere in Scripture is the wife ever commanded to love her husband. Because she automatically does that. And nowhere in Scripture is the man ever commanded to respect his wife. Because we automatically do that. See, we as men automatically respect because that's our greatest need. You as women automatically love because that's your greatest need. So God commands us to do what we can only do supernaturally through his power. We're commanded to love our wives in the way he loves the church. Women are commanded to respect their husbands in the way they have reverence for Christ. Why? Because it's outside your natural ability to do it. It can only be done supernaturally through the power of the Holy Spirit in you. I shared during the marriage conference this weekend, it was interesting, uh, uh, Emerson Egrich, he does a, a, a video series, DVD series called Love and Respect. One of the things he talked about was if you were to ask most men across this country, does your wife love you? Even in the worst of marriages, most men would say, oh, I know she loves me. Because you as women do that naturally. But if those same men were asked, does your wife respect you? Less than 1% could give an answer. And we as men are commanded to love our wives. You see, love your wife in an unconditional, sacrificial way Gentlemen, you can't do it in and of yourself. You can't do it by your strength and your power. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you'll never fulfill that. You've got to have a relationship with Christ in order to be able to do that. Now, let's move on in verses 28. He says, so husbands, notice there's a lot more verses for husbands than there are wives. I just want you to notice that. He says, so husbands also love their own wives as their own bodies. For he who loves his own wife loves himself. And then in verse 29, he says, for no one ever... Uh, uh, for, for, for no one ever hated his own flesh but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ also does the church. So he says, look at your physical body. He said, man, when you get hungry, what do you do, man? You're darn right you do. Hey, let's go eat. I mean, you're going to take care of yourself. You're going to nourish yourself. And he says, in the same way, you know, you go and take care of yourself, whether it's a, you know, a meal at lunch or at dinner or a midnight snack. I mean, when you're hungry, you're going to eat. He says, I want you to take care of your wife that way as well. Wow. Because he says, no one ever hates his own flesh. He's going to take care of himself. 
He says, that's the way you take care of your wife. And then he compares it to the church. Why? Because verse 30 says, because we are members of his body. In other words, he goes right back to church. He goes right back to the church, us as the body of believers, and who Christ is, that Christ is the head. We're his body, and he says, Christ takes care of us that same way. So again, the comparison is, guys, just as Christ takes care of us and nourishes us and cherishes us, he says, that's the way I want you to take care of your wife. And then he takes a quote right out of Genesis chapter 2, and he says in verse 31, For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and shall be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. And so my next point is this. Verse or number four is husbands and wives, it's leaving, it's joining, it's loving, and it's respecting. It's leaving. We're leaving our moms and dads. We're leaving our households. We're being joined together with our wife, and the two, we're becoming one. We're literally united by Christ as one. An illustration that, that Wendy has shared uh, years ago, uh, the picture of if you were to take two sheets of paper and if you were to glue those pieces of paper together until the glue was hardened, if you tried to separate those sheets of paper, what does it do? Destroys both of them. God says, you're joined as one. You're joined as one. You've become one in me. And then he says in verse 32, he says, this mystery is great, but I'm speaking with reference to Christ in the church. You see, he brings it right back to you and me, and he goes, that's how you are in Christ. You've become one with him. He's become one with you. You see, as a believer, we are one with the Lord Jesus Christ for eternity. Never to be separated from our king. Never be separated from our Lord. We're one with him. You see, oftentimes what happens to us is we forget that Christ dwells in us through his Holy Spirit. And we base our fellowship with our king and our daddy and our Lord, we base our fellowship on him on how we feel and not on his truth. God wants us to fellowship with him based on his truth not on how we feel, because if we base it on how we feel, guess what? We won't fellowship with him much, will we? Because most of us don't feel close to the Lord, and we don't feel worthy of the Lord. We don't feel worthy to come into his presence. And he says, I'm already dwelling in you. You're already in my presence 24-7. Let's fellowship together, because we're one. Oh my goodness, y'all. And that's the kind of intimacy he wants us to have as husbands and wives, that we fellowship with each other, that we invest in each other, because ultimately we're be being the picture of Christ in his church, the head and the body, together as one. And then he ends in verse 33, and he says, Nevertheless, each individual among you also is to love his own wife, even as, again, himself. And the wife must see to it that she, not, notice, doesn't say love, respects her husband. Again, God commanding us to do what only comes supernaturally in our fellowship with Him. It's our willingness to say, God, if you've told me to do this, well, what if my wife is not worthy of my love? What if my husband is not worthy of my respect? It does not say who's worthy of anything. Do we, are we worthy of Christ's love? No. Are we worthy of Christ's respect? No. But we have it nonetheless. He says, 
It's not about their worthiness. It's about you being obedient to me, period. God says, you fulfill, you submit to me, you do what I've commanded you to do, and I'll take care of the rest. You see, that's what God wants. We, we, we want to base the conditions. We want to put a condition on, on the love we give. We want to put a condition on the respect we give according to what they have done. And God says, it's not about what they have done. It's about what you're doing because you're going to be obedient to me no matter what. That's what God's called us to do. That's what God's called us to do. See, the reality is we're going to be held accountable for what we've been commanded to do by our Lord. And notice this is not a suggestion. It's literally a command. Why would God have to command us as men to love our wives? Because it's hard. If it were easy, it wouldn't be a command. Why has God commanded women, the wives, to respect their husbands? Because it's hard. It can only be done through the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, God commands us because he knows in and of ourselves, in our flesh, our flesh cries out for just the opposite. And our flesh tells us to do just the opposite. God says, you got to die to your flesh. you got to crucify that every single day in me, and you fulfill my word by being obedient to me. That's what it's about. That's what it's about. You see, all in the family means that family is the family of God, that we belong to his family, that we're the picture of his family, and that Christ is over us. But then we give that picture to this lost world to say, hey, you want to see what Christ and his church look like together? Watch me and my spouse. Wow. Watch me and my spouse. You want to know what the church and Christ look like together? Watch me and my spouse. This is what Christ is. This is the love, this is the respect, and this is the reverence, and this is the beauty of one. This is the beauty of what God has intended. Oh, wow, y'all. I mean, that's what God intended all along. And that's, we are that example to our children as well. I mean, we're the example for our children to know, hey, man, you know, I want to be able to see what it looks like because if one day if God blesses me with a godly husband or a godly wife, what's it going to look like? Well, I've got some great examples that I can follow. I've got some great role models I can follow. Are we going to do it perfectly? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. But when we mess up, you know what we do? We look at the people around us, whether it's our kids or our neighbors or somebody else, and say, hey, listen, what you just saw was the ugliness of my flesh. And I need to confess that as sin, so please forgive me. But you keep watching our lives because we're going to show you Christ and his church. We're going to show you what it means to love and respect and to honor the king and the Lord that we follow. That's what God's commanded us to do. So let's move on. Let's move on to chapter 6 because in chapter 6, again, it's all in the family. Number 5 is this, children obeying and respecting. Hello, Verses 1 through 3 of chapter 6, he says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Verse 2, honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise. Verse 3, so that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. You see, as children, God says, here's what you're to do. You're the, the model in the home of as you honor and respect me as your heavenly father, as your king, as your master, as your Lord, hey, I put these two people in authority over you. Show me your love and respect and honor by loving, respecting, and honoring those that I put in authority over you, starting with mom and dad. 
Hello. You see, any one of you in here that are students, teenagers, children, whatever else, let me tell you something. You're under your parents' authority until you are completely on your own financially. It has nothing to do with your age. Let me say it one more time. It has nothing to do with your age. If you still are being helped by your parents financially, guess what? You're still under their authority. I don't care how old you are. You're not on your own yet. One of the things we taught our boys, our boys are now 29 and 26. One of the things we taught our boys is you're under our authority and we are responsible to God and how we raise you. But you know what? That thing you call your room, you're not paying rent. It's not your room. Hello. Those clothes in your closet, those were purchased by us. They're your clothes, but let me tell you something. Don't think that those can be hung on to or that they're yours if you want to leave. Uh, it still belongs to us. If I want to go in that room and check your drawers, I want to check your phone, I want to check whatever else, if I'm paying for it, guess what? I still have the right to look at it. You see, you get all haughty and prideful kids, and I'm telling you something, God will bring His loving discipline upon you. You show love and respect for your parents and learn how to love and respect your heavenly daddy because that's who he is. And how you love and respect, let me just say this, those of you that are in this room that are teenagers or younger, let me say this, how you treat your mama, young man, how you treat your mama, that's how you're going to treat your wife one day. Let me say that one more time and listen closely. Young man, how you treat your mother is how you will treat your wife one day. Ladies, how you treat your dad is how you treat your husband one day. So if you're looking for a godly woman or a godly man to marry, watch how they treat their parents because that's how they're going to treat you. If you see them showing disrespect and not loving them unconditionally, guess what? They'll do the same thing to you. I would walk away quick. God's word is true. God's word is true. God has called you to say, how am I honoring my father and mother? Because God, you placed them in my life. And that goes for any authority in our lives, for all of us here. You might have a boss that you don't like. You might have somebody that you're serving with. That you, let me tell you something. If they're authority over you, how you honor them is how you're honoring your heavenly daddy because he put you there for that place, for that time, for that moment. It's all about how we're going to honor our King and our Lord. It's not about us. You see, it's not about us. It's about Him. When we think it's about us, we've started worshiping the wrong God. We just started worshiping the God of me, myself, and I. Instead of God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. We're, we're worshiping the wrong Trinity. Me, myself, and I gets in the way, y'all. And we got to die to me, myself, and I. The last thing I want you to see here this morning, and now we're going to go back to the parents. All right, parents, you know I wasn't going to let you go on this. Number six, parents leading well through God's truth. Look at verse four. Fathers, and that really should, you know, could be translated fathers and mothers. Do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Notice it doesn't say the discipline and instruction of how your parents brought you up or how your grandparents brought you up or how your great-grandparents brought you up or what's always been on your family. He says, ah, 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 ah. The authority of how you bring up your children is in the Lord, period. If you're not sure what the discipline and instruction of the Lord is, 
I got a little manual for you. It's called the Word of God. Get into it. Learn it. And know how to discipline your children in a biblical manner and to love them and to guide them so that they fall in love with the Lord Jesus Christ. Because you see, what we want to do is we want to focus on external behavior. We, we focus on behavior modification. Behavior modification doesn't work. It's life transformation. That's what you want. If your kids fall in love with the Lord Jesus Christ, guess what? Things will turn out. They need the Lord is who they need. But you've got to set the example in the way you love them and treat them. Because you see, your heavenly Father lovingly disciplines you as His children. Do you lovingly discipline your children in the same way? Or do you come down on like the hammer, which God would never do to us? You see, the responsibility is all in the family. <laughs> it's about each one of us taking care of our responsibility in honoring our King and our Lord. That's what it's about. Am I willing to come under submission to God's authority and to say, you know what, this is my responsibility, so how am I carrying it out? What we want to do is, is we want to point the fingers at those that are not carrying it out, or we want to point the fingers at our, at our spouse or our kids, but remember this, when you point the finger, remember this, there's three fingers pointing back at you. It starts with you and me. If your kids are running from the Lord, you might want to examine your own life first and say, have I even been guiding my kids to the Lord? Have I so loved them and come alongside them that they're falling in love with the king and master of their life? Or have I not given them that kind of picture? It starts with all of us. It starts with all of us. And that's what God has intended for us. That's why he gave us his word. Y'all, the reason he gave us his word is because we have, we have the authority of how to do it. We have the, 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 the truth of how to do it. And he says, quit trying to do it according to opinions and according to what's popular in the newspaper and magazines. He says, come to my word and simply obey it. And he says, your family will turn around. Your family will be different. I'm very thankful. I mean, Wendy and I, did we do it perfectly? Absolutely not. Have our boys made some major stupid decisions in their lives at times? Yes, because we made major stupid decisions in our lives at times. But to see where they are now and to see how they're continuing to grow in their walk with the Lord is such an encouragement. But there were some years there that I was just going, Lord, you've got to, you've got to take them and you've got to get them back where they need to be. And God, your loving discipline has got to come down on them. And it did. I watched God work in both of our sons' lives and to bring them back to where they needed to be. And they're going to go through a process just like we do every single day. But it's trusting in Him. What am I doing? Am I fulfilling my part as a husband and loving my wife, lovingly disciplining my kids? Wives, are you doing your part? And being submissive and coming under the authority and walking according to God, I'm, I'm, I'm doing this to honor you. And as children, are you coming under the authority of your parents to say, God, it's not about how I feel, it's about obeying you, and I'm going to obey you and what you've commanded me to do, period. That's where it starts. 
So what do we do with it? Well, it's our time of invitation. In just a moment, we're going to stand, we're going to sing as you do every Sunday, and it's just part of what we do. But let me ask you to do this. Don't just go through the motions. So often the invitation comes, and here's what we do. We check out. We're thinking about lunch. We're thinking about, you know, as soon as we're done, man, we're out of here. I mean, we, yeah, no. How does God want you to respond right here, right now? Maybe for some of you as husbands, maybe you just need to turn and look at your wives and go, you know what? What God has spoken to my heart this morning about how I'm to love you, I need to confess my sin. I have not been loving you that way. And I'm going to ask you to forgive me right here, right now. Maybe for some of you as wives, you need to turn and look at your husband and say, you know what? God has so spoken to my heart. I have not shown you the respect that I, to honor my Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm going to ask you to forgive me for not respecting you in a way that God has commanded me to do. Please forgive me. Maybe some of you as teenagers or as children, you need to go sit down with your parents. Maybe you're not even sitting with them right now. And you need to go tell your mom or your dad, you know what? I haven't honored you the way God has commanded me to. And I'm going to ask you to forgive me. Because I want to make sure I'm honoring my Lord. You see, that's where it starts. And some of you are thinking, well, what are they going to think? Who cares? If you're, if you're obeying the King of kings and the Lord of lords, that's all that matters. Who cares what anybody thinks? That's their problem, not yours. And maybe some of you are here today, maybe you've never given your life to Christ. Maybe you don't have a relationship with Christ and you're ready to surrender. Brother Matt's going to be down front. He's the pastor of this church. He's your pastor. Come down front and say, man, I, I need to surrender my life to Christ. I want to give my life to him. Maybe some of you are here, and as Matt said in the beginning, maybe you're visiting, but you've been looking for a church home. Good night, y'all. Come join, and don't just come sit your rear end in a pew. Come serve, because that's what God's called you to do. Come down front and tell Brother Matt, I not only want to join, man, I want to get involved in service. Where do you need me? Because God lives in me, I want to be used. Or maybe you as a family, maybe your entire family just needs to come and pray at these altars. I don't know. I'm just opening it up to say, whatever God leads you to do, be obedient. If you want to come down front and pray, come, come pray. It's, it ought to be relaxed where you go, man, I can do this because, man, it's about honoring my king. 